This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring cutting-edge commentator Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. We're going to focus on MapGate, what the problems are, and the reality of those problems with Apple's new mapping software for iOS 6 and the iPhone 5. We'll have similar comments and a lot more going on with Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. All this and more on the Tech Night Out Live. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And the big story, of course, has been the iPhone 5 and also the curious way the critics have handled it. So let's think about it right now. Apple sold 5 million as of the first weekend. That's not good. Why is it not good, even though it's a record? Well, they should have sold more because Piper Jaffrey, one of the industry analysts, said they'd sell more. But the problem appears to be the amount of units available. Daniel? Well, this isn't the first time this has happened. <laughs> I mean, this has happened before. It's kind of interesting how anytime anyone pulls a wild number out of their hat, that becomes what, what everyone is expecting. And so there's great disappointment that follows. But yeah, this is... It happened with the 3GS. Remember, Jane Munster made similar comments with expecting that it would be this huge, long... <sighs> that it would sell half a million in the first weekend. But... Whenever you have a situation where Apple's very careful with its own messaging. Apple never said, we're going to sell this many million phones. The last time Apple said anything about we're going to sell this many phones is when Steve Jobs got off at the first one and said, we, we plan to sell enough phones to have 1% of the entire mobile market within, I think he said, a year or two. And I think at the was, end of 2008. Yeah. So, which, so of course, was, he was underestimating because they had a greater share. Yeah, and when he said that, it was kind of like, wow, really? You think you can do that? And, of course, now Apple has, like, more than a quarter of the you know, world's smartphone business. I mean, they're trend-setting everything. So when Apple comes out and says, you know, we've sold a million or, what was it, two million on the first? Two million the first hour were the first day. The first Two million day. pre-orders. So they said, therefore, they will sell between six and ten million as of the first weekend. But no one bothered to consider, and I'm sure you'll agree with me here, just how many units could possibly be available. How much stock did Apple have on hand? Obviously not enough. And it's interesting that, that Apple's not just dealing with, can they find enough people that want to buy it? Because demand is one thing. It's, how can we build enough? And there's, there's a balance between, can we make a product that we can reliably get to the market and just blow it out and have everyone buy up all the stocks. But it's not bleeding edge enough to last for three or four quarters of phone sales because that's what Apple also has to do. They only make a phone every year. So once they come out with you know the iPhone 4S last year, the iPhone 5, it has to last for several quarters. Where in the, in the competitive phone industry, if you look at Windows Mobile stuff, you look at Android stuff or any, any other phones out there, they have a flash point of about three months. Sometimes it seems like three hours. 
Yeah. So, I mean, most people don't even, I'm pretty familiar with a lot of phones out there and I would be hard pressed to tell you two or three phones that each of the big phone companies make without having to consult, you know, the company's website. Also, it's the way that Apple reports sales because what they're doing is they're reporting what's called sell out and sell out being how many go into the hands of users and a lot of other companies report what is actually just shipped to dealers. That's sold, even though a month later some might be returned. Yeah, and it's even more than that. It's not just sold. It's also they're not counting pre-orders. So if you say you want to buy the iPhone 5, but you haven't signed for it yet, you haven't taken delivery of it yet, they don't count that. So there's an awful lot of people who are waiting for the phone to arrive that have bought it, that have put down their money, that you know are, have made the decision, but those are not being counted in that initial number that they put up. Yeah, so it's kind of silly because I don't think there's a lot of controversy that this is going to be the biggest selling phone of the season. And yet they're trying to position like, oh, whoa, maybe this is not going to sell as well as we thought. Really? You really think that? Because of, you know, didn't match Gene Munster's number. You know, it's a crazy world. Well, that's Gene Munster for you. Well, I mean, he's just expressing optimism. I mean, you know, the thing with on both both the kind of positive side, the people who are are imagining what possibly could be the new high water mark for Apple, you know, people like Gene, who come up with these great numbers. And there's also people on the other side who are saying, you know, trying to find things to look at, like you know, Maps is terrible, or no one's going to buy it because of Maps. <laughs> on both sides, it, I don't think it's so much of angels and demons as much as you know, people are just so desperate to say something that can be right. Or something that can be proprietary, like I said this, and therefore, you know, give me a pat on the back for having guessed the right number or having identified the flaw that will be the downfall of Apple kind of thing. It's just everyone in the media is so desperate to find something that they can say that's either interesting or correct about the iPhone that you just have so much going on out there that in the short term, you have distractions that say, you know, Gene's silly number that caused everyone to freak out for a little bit or... You have stuff like specific pundits I won't talk about that invent things like Antenagate and um, the Maps apocalypse. We'll get into the Maps apocalypse in a moment. In the short term, those things create a little blip and you know affect Apple's stock price and have people chatting, but they don't really have any material effect on how things sold. The iPhone 4 wasn't derailed by Antenagate, even though it was this huge thing in the media for months and months and months. And you know, Consumer Reports got involved and said no, and then they said yes, and then they said no, and it was a news story every time. And it didn't really have an impact on iPhone 4 sales. So that's kind of important to realize, even though there are these like huge things, you know, this is what people are tweeting about. Well, it doesn't have an impact on what's actually being sold. It doesn't have a, an obvious, clear impact in retrospect. If we look back, if we look forward, it's like, oh, no, everyone's saying that Maps is going to prevent people from buying the phone. And, oh, yes, you know, here, you have unbridled demand for it. You know, it's outpacing the supply. Apple can't even build enough. The reality is that, you know, a lot of this is just blowing hot air. So you do have to keep that in mind, too. You have to keep in mind, too, that... It's hard to predict how many units Apple is actually building because that information may come from third parties. It might be rumors. And there were also reports that it's taken a while to ramp up production, especially the in-cell display. This is one of the big features that makes the iPhone 5 so small. They combine the touchscreen and the standard LCD display. So we're talking about new production lines. We're talking about somehow here making that run efficiently. So even if they have a couple of companies doing it, till they ramp up production, it may take a while. There was a report that Sharp, one of the companies allegedly building the in-cell display, 
took them a while to start building out production to get more units out. So that could be another reason holding up things. And I think another indication of how successful it is is how many units Apple sells by the end of the September quarter. Significant. And isn't it incredible that the company behind this mainstream phone that everybody wants. And it's true that people are going to buy it no matter what. And if Apple came out with a terrible phone, it would still sell. I mean, if you look at back at the history of Windows Mobile and Palm and BlackBerry, they were putting out some pretty awful phones for a period of time and people were still buying them. It started to result in a downfall, but you can put out garbage for some time and people will still buy it for a little ways anyway. So Apple- well, if they have a history with the brand, if yeah, so they I- like the brand and yeah. they're used to the brand... They'll put up with mediocrity for a while, but only for a for while. A short, for a short while. The point being that Apple could, and a lot of people are worried that Apple will at some point put out boring stuff that is just like middle of the road, not pushing the state of the art. And that's what a lot of people are complaining. And you know, the last three phones that have come out, at least, at kind of every iPhone, people are complaining that, oh, it's boring. Oh, it didn't blow me away. It didn't knock me down. It doesn't you know, shoot lasers out. Um, but what's interesting is you're talking about this in-cell display and, and various things. Every phone, every iPhone that is shipped has included really cutting-edge stuff that is such a risk that it has made it really difficult for Apple to make enough phones. The same thing with the iPad. There's enough new stuff in it. I mean, they just developed a new chip for it, brand-new chip, and they're putting it in the, into the new phone. There's a lot of risk-taking here. There's a lot of really ballsy risk-taking that people take for granted. And we'll take this for granted that we're talking to Daniel Aaron Delger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1, S-E-E-N number one, SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366. 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. 
Again, that's 800-686-2237. My name is Gary Johnson. Today I reach out to you, members of all political parties, including the disaffected and disillusioned among the Republicans and Democrats. Today there's a handful of people in Washington ruining America for 330 million of us. They've kept our nation in a state of perpetual war and increasing unsustainable debt. This small group has presided over the elimination of our Bill of Rights and the systematic dismantling of our freedoms guaranteed us under our Constitution. We the people will never agree on the small things, but let's agree on the big thing. Our leaders have blown it. America is better and brighter than this. Be libertarian with me this one time, and I'll prove it to you. Live free. Gary Johnson, libertarian for president. Paid for by Gary Johnson, 2012. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com, or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next. This segment is brought to you by Crush FTP. Now, Crush FTP is what they call an FTP file server, and it runs great on Macs, including Mountain Lion, on Windows, also it runs on Linux, and you run your own file server. You can run it in the cloud or hosted on your computer, and this way it lets your customers drag and drop the files they need to upload or retrieve from a web client. So if they're using Internet Explorer on Windows, Safari, or Chrome on the Mac, whatever, they can use drag and drop to upload files, multiple files. Prices start at $40. Go to crushftp.com crushftp.com we have daniel aaron dilgriff roughly drafted magazine and appleinsider.com and you have to look at this now in virtually every other smartphone they're using off-the-shelf components apple has lots of new unique parts and you don't put all that together and have it work in a shipping product and always get enough units to be available on day one seldom happens if you look at the last time, if you look at tech history in the 90s, when Microsoft was kind of ruling the PC industry, Microsoft's releases were not really ballsy. They were pretty basic. You know, Windows 95, Windows 98, Windows 9, ME. They were just like stuff that came out with in, in every other year. So they could really only update it every two years. 
And it came out, and it was like, oh, it looked a little bit different, and they'd fixed a few things. It wasn't really mind-blowing, but there was such a huge demand for PCs that they're making huge amounts of money. After Apple came out with OS X, and Microsoft realized that they really needed to come out with something that technically matched OS X, and they came out with, you know, surprisingly, something with an X in the name. The next step was trying to come out with this huge project that really, like, pushed the, the state of the art. And that was Vista, and of course, was problematic. But it also took them, like, six years. If you look at what Apple's doing, every year, every year, they come out with something that's substantially better, both on the software side, and they're doing OS X and iOS at the same time. They're coming out with new stuff that's a pretty significant jump every year. And they're coming out with new hardware that is leading the industry in every respect. Music players... Tablets, phones, computers, kind of inventing new form factors that everyone else is kind of scrambling to copy with the Ultrabook thing. That is pretty impressive progress for a company that was always kind of considered this small underdog. And they're now on top, and they're, they're continuing to come out every year with new stuff all the time. That is, is unprecedented. There's been a, a, a few companies that for a few years have been the industry darling in, in some respect. Remember Palm Pilot around the, you know, 10 years ago was coming out with the PDAs and, you know, what are they going to come up with next? And they come up with some of the first smartphones and people were excited about it. They like that brand. You know, some of the things Microsoft did, some of the things that Nokia has been doing, every company on earth has done impressive stuff, but nothing has popped out, just hit, 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 out, one after the other to the point where to criticize Apple, you have to go to some of the most half-assed peripheral things that they have on the market or have on the table. That's just kind of like a sub thing. And say, well, that, you know, mobile me wasn't the best thing. Mobile me wasn't even a moneymaker. I mean, it was, it was kind of like a service. I'm trying to make a list of things that Apple has failed with or has canceled. Things like iWork.com. Sure, I mean, but let me ask you a question which, about mobile me. Apple charged $100 a year. That wasn't enough to make a little bit of a profit? Not if you compare it to other things that they were doing. Mobile me was kind of an add-on thing, kind of like their insurance programs. That's not where their profits come from. You know, if I had a business where I was selling $100 subscriptions to something a year, that would be a huge business to me. But, I mean, for Apple, it's not so much. It's a nice add-on business. But it's not, if you look at where Apple makes its money, it's not very significant. Because they weren't selling it for everybody. I mean, there's a lot of things that, if you look at kind of the side business, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to add a new business on the side and make some money off it. So, for example, Amazon. Amazon makes a tremendous amount of money selling stuff over the web without charging sales tax for most people. So they have a pretty good business. They see tablets and they're worried that, you know, Apple's going to have this lock on software going forward. So they want to have their own things. So they come up with an Android tablet, the Kindle Fire, and they're selling it at a loss leader. That's not an important business for Amazon. It's kind of an important strategy. There's no sense of making huge amounts of money with it. Whereas everything Apple's doing, every product they come out with is a, you know, multi-billion dollar product. And they've just continually, like, added new stuff to it. You know, two years ago, they just added the iPad. And over the last three years, who has challenged the iPad? I mean, Google's Android hasn't. Google's now competing against Amazon's Android version of a tablet. But neither one of them together is amounting to really much. Microsoft has taken three stabs at tablets now that have gone nowhere since the iPad debuted. Everybody else's tablets have not gained any traction. It's just kind of mind-blowing to see how... Apple can constantly hit home runs out of the park, and they're criticized over things like Maps, which Maps is a pretty ballsy move. I'll tell you what, we'll get into the Maps in a moment. I wanted to cover a few other things. They mentioned Microsoft's efforts to do something in the tablet market. Now, this is curious here. Let me explain here. Now, Windows 8 is coming out 
the 26th of October, about a month after you hear the show, a little bit less than a month. So they said they'd release the Windows RT version of the Surface tablet with Windows 8. But if you go to Microsoft's site, all you get are bare-bones specs, the same stuff you got two or three months ago, no price, nothing. A product's supposed to be a month away from being released. Isn't Microsoft supposed to promote this thing to the skies? Or is it just another piece of Microsoft vaporware? Well, forget about it. You know, a month or two after Windows 8, nobody will talk about the service as if they're talking about it now. That's kind of similar to what, how they released the Zoom, though. Remember, there was like all this excitement about the Zoom, and it would actually really backfire because you know Microsoft just came out with sort of pictures of it and sort of ideas about what it was going to do. And you had all these Windows enthusiasts fantasizing about what it was going to be. So they decided it was maybe going to be free. Maybe they're going to bundle with the Xbox and just kill Apple with this new monopoly on getting this player out there. They said that it was going to do things that it wasn't really going to end up doing. So they just like imagined all these features. And then when, when they shipped the device, it was like, really? You're, you're going to charge that much for it? It's going to be the same price as the iPod and all the all the you know proprietary little connectors and everything are going to be the same price. It's not going to be any cheaper. They were all expecting it to be way cheaper. And same thing with the software and you know every aspect of it was disappointing. So to do the same thing, I mean, after seeing that kind of a failure, to do the same thing with your tablet, with your you know third or fourth stab of the tablet since the iPad debuted, because they tried it with Windows Seven, they came out with a whole new thing for you know the t- Slate OS initiative, and you know the. It's just a series of flubbed things. And now they're coming out with, here's a real thing that we're really trying to do. We finally got full Windows on it, and it's going to be tied into Windows 8 Monopoly, and you know, we're just going to like push this into the market, and everyone's just going to have to buy it because it's so great. Like you're saying, they're, they're waiting right until the launch date to say what the price is going to be. That doesn't sound like a very good strategy. <laughs> and we still don't know anything about the product, but you also have to look at the other problem with the Zoom, as you say, the pricing... The marketing, you know, what can I say? Yeah, it doesn't seem like they learned anything from that whole situation. On the opposite side, Apple set expectations high. So it kind of like hoped everyone would expect its new tablet to cost $1,000. And then when they announced it, it was like, oh, guess what? It costs half as much as what you think. And here's all the stuff it does. And it's going to be available in a few months. And you can, that dramatically shifted what people could say about it. And it caught people off guard. And this catching people off guard, I think we're going to talk about this in maps too. There's a reason why Apple is secretive. Cause it well, doesn't... at least they produce something that's interesting. Yeah. Once again, this portion of the Tech Night Out Live was brought to you by Crush FTP. Run your own FTP server on your own computer or run it in the cloud on a hosted virtual machine. Learn more at crushftp.com, crushftp.com. Daniel Aaron Dilger, joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. Web 
whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics, life's getting better. We take a lot for granted. Lights, water, even food we eat. But what if these things went away? Would you know how to protect your family in a natural or man-made disaster? Would you know how to survive? When disaster hits, power and water are gone and the mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves. You and your family may be waiting in long lines for help. Don't be helpless. Learn the secrets to survival at 123survivalplan.com. Do you know the 37 crucial food items you can't live without? Many people don't have these food items. Learn what you need to hoard at 123 survivalplan.com recently over 1 million people have viewed the video at 123survivalplan.com these survival secrets are vital the government suggests we maintain an emergency supply of food and water but do you know the 37 food items that will fly off grocery shelves or a simple way to treat unsafe drinking water this information is critical find it now on 123survivalplan.com don't take your family's safety for granted visit 123survivalplan.com that's 123survivalplan.com We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. 
On the Tech Night Owl Live, we're looking at iPhone 5 about alleged competitors. I'm Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. Now, I will make my prediction. I don't think the Surface is going to come out. If it does, it'll be a low-key introduction. They're not going to sell many. But I'll make one point here before we go back to the iPhone 5. Paul Ottolini of Intel, the CEO, you know, obviously Microsoft and Intel used to be very much more cooperative together than they are now. He said in something that was done, I guess, at a private meeting that was quoted. Don't you hate that? You know, you're speaking at a private meeting and you forget that whatever you say is going to be public in about 10 seconds, as a certain presidential candidate has realized. So anyway, we now look at Adelini saying that Windows 8, uh, not quite ready yet. That's bad. That's the same kind of same thing they did with Nokia's. Software's not ready yet, sorry. Nokia's is kind of like, we're trying to introduce this product that we desperately need to stay alive, and Microsoft is kind of not helping us out. Uh, Intel has a separate reason for being honest about Windows 8, though, because Microsoft's whole plan for Windows 8 was to make it so that it could also run on ARM chips, which Intel is very worried about. But but saying that the Windows 8 in general is going to be shipped before it's ready, or it's just going to be shipped regardless of whether it's ready or not, that is that is an interesting observation to make. And it's kind of makes one wonder why Microsoft can't release software on time. I guess they never did, but I mean there was like this kind of idea that because they were selling the most software, they were this competent company. When you know, I mean that wasn't really the case, but that was the the impression that they left with people. And they they previously competed with other companies, Apple and everyone else, by instead of bringing to market a a better product or a cheaper product or you know more desirable for some reason product, they just announced that they were going to come to the market and destroy all their competitors, and everyone just didn't buy alternatives because they were assured that, that was going to happen. And so now that nobody believes that anymore, Microsoft's basically boogeyman business model doesn't work anymore. So when they come out and they say, hey, we're going to destroy the iPod with this Zoom thing we're doing, people don't believe that after the third time of being wrong. And now that they're saying we're going to come out and just destroy the iPad with this Slate thing. And my prediction is that when... So my prediction is that with when the when they ship the Surface, that... Um, it's not going to sell well, and Microsoft is going to turn around and say, this was just a reference design to show OEMs what they could build. So I think that's how they're going to play off the failure of the slate. Because they've already kind of tried to say that. They're, they're hedging their bets. Well, I have a feeling here that Microsoft was hedging when Steve Ballmer said, well, that's just a design point. When yeah, he was asked, isn't this going to hurt the OEMs who expect to sell their own tablets yeah i mean they're, they're saying it on both sides so they're talking out of both sides of the mouth so you know i think they're hoping that it would become popular and they could at least maybe make some headway into preserving their enterprise sales and if it works out there then they could say yeah that's what we meant to do and if it doesn't then they can say yeah it's a design point and we want oems to take over and run with this but i don't i don't think it's going to be successful and i don't think oems are going to be able to run with it either because, I mean, it's kind of like the Zune backwards, because I think they're going to try to play the Zune and then try to play Plays for Sure. Where before, you know, they tried to do Plays for Sure, and when that didn't work out, they're like, oh, we're going to take this solo. 
So I think they're finding out that they can't win either way, and they're just going to try it out of order this time and see if it, if they can, if anything will stick. And I don't think it will. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the iPhone 5. Okay, so the other criticisms we have are that, of course, the iPhone 5 didn't change enough. Gee, we had to have NFC chips. Got to have NFC chips, even though, as you pointed out in a previous segment, there's not that much support. I think only 2%. Now, we also have other problems which they complain about. Well, after all, it's not big enough. It's only a four-inch screen. Why can't we have five-inch? It, it is kind of funny that iPhone 5 has changed so dramatically in every respect that it doesn't really work to say that they haven't changed it anymore. I mean, the 4S, you could say, no, they didn't change it a lot. They just, like, changed the things that matter. You know, they made it quite a bit faster and added this and that and added stuff like Siri and um, to try to retread that same complaint against iPhone 5 is pretty hard because it, it's a completely different device. And if you read some of the people that have no horse in the game, if you read the stuff from Tech Insights looking at the chip of the A6 and giving their technical opinion on it, it's kind of like, why did Apple spend so many millions of dollars building this huge chip to be in front of everyone else? They didn't need to do this. They were going to sell the iPhone 5 no matter what doesn't need to be that fast. And yet Apple did it. And it's interesting that Apple is spending so much money to stay on the state of the art, to, to define the state of the art. That should provide some answer to all the people who think that Apple is sitting around waiting for people to pass them. Yeah. And it's kind of an established pattern because every time a new iPhone comes out, Android and the rest of the ecosystem has had a few quarters of being able to compete with last year's device. And yet, every time the iPhone comes out, it blows away everything that's out there. Remember when the iPhone 3GS came out, there was like this idea that Apple was slipping behind and it wasn't as fast, and even the Palm Pre was going to be so much faster because it had this faster chip in it. And then, oh, oh dear, Apple has a fast chip too. You know, who could have predicted that? And then the same thing the next year, and the same thing the next year. It was like, oh, well, you know, Android has these advantages like dual-core chips and whatever. And it's like, well, Apple can do that too. Guess what? Who would have thought that the company that has $115 billion in the bank could, couldn't match the efforts of the rest of the industry? <laughs> you know, it's, it's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. But, you know, they won't stop. But now, of course, we have the Achilles heel, allegedly, of the iPhone 5 and, of course, any iOS 6 device. And that is mapping. Gee, why couldn't we have the continuation of Google Maps. Why did Apple have to switch? Well, there's two things. The why question is really simple. That they don't want to be funneling money into Google. They're basically giving Android a leg up. If I'm writing this article about the history of Apple and Google with doing Maps. What's interesting is that when Android wasn't really... It was kind of a hobbyist thing until 2.0, the beginning of 2010 what I call the year of Android, you know. Um, before that, it was people were talking about Palm, and then they were talking about BlackBerry, and then they were talking excitedly about, you know, Windows Mobile, hoping that it would turn around. But in 2010, it, was, it would really turn to Android. And part of that was Verizon put all their marketing muscle behind Android instead of BlackBerry, because it, they were failing. So starting in 2010, you had this whole new Android 2.0 thing that started. And they started gaining some traction. And if you look at the main feature of Android 2.0, it was 
maps navigation. And it was something that Apple didn't have. And so, you know, Google's core competencies are search and then maps. So some of the best things on Android are what Google is providing, its own things. And the more Apple relies on Google to provide search and maps, the more Google owns the value in the iPhone as well. So when all these millions of devices that Apple is selling are reporting to Google, traffic times and you know, all this information, ad, ad behaviors that are allowing it to charge more for ads, um, Apple is leaving money on the table, as it were, you know, basically pushing money that's funding Android. And remember that Google is using crowdsourcing, as map makers do, where when people report a problem, they fix the problem. They rely on individual users to basically help flesh out the infrastructure. We'll have more of that in a moment. Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the freeze-dry guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on freeze-dried foods, and choose our 12-month, 6-month, 3-month, 1-month, or or seven-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home 
But you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pillen, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. We are focusing now on Maps, supposedly the Achilles heel of the iPhone 5 and iOS 6. And now we're talking about Google. So basically, Apple concludes here not just that it's in a fight over intellectual property with Google by way of their proxies, such as Samsung and HTC, that Google is getting all the attention for Maps. And if that same amount of eyeballs is on an Apple mapping service, Apple gets the benefit and they can improve their own mapping app. Yeah, I mean, it's... I've been pointing out for a while that this is dramatic. Um, Apple is basically just taking the market away. They're doing it retroactively back to the iPhone 3GS. So everyone's iPhone that isn't just you know too old to be using can now run iOS 6. And a lot of people are going to be upgrading. And Apple has always aggressively pushed people to the latest version of iOS for a variety of reasons. And the fact that they're just scrubbing Google... And it's not the same, you know, people are trying to compare it to, you know, for example, Internet Explorer, you know, Microsoft seeing Netscape having a, you know, popular browser product and muscling in with Internet Explorer and pushing them off the desktop. It's a little bit different situation because Apple was in a partnership with Google. It was Apple's app. So Apple is just now relying on its own data. And that's not unprecedented. I mean, Google used to get its its mapping data from, what is the name, Tell Alice or whatever, and that they made up their own and then they used to get their location data from skyworks and then they made up their own 
So, I mean, this is something that happens all across the industry all the time. Now, Apple, if you look at the About box in Maps, they're partnering with TomTom and maybe 15, 20 other companies to get map data, which they're collating and presenting. Now, are you suggesting then that as Maps matures, and it's going to take a year or two, it's not going to happen overnight, maybe longer, that Apple will rely less and less on partners and on their own mapping infrastructure? Well, there's some things that, I mean, if you, look, if you listen to Apple uh, executives, they make this comment that it was kind of a Steve Jobs thing of you need to own the valuable part of your product. And if you look at things in the past where Apple's had the rug pulled out from under them, one of the first ones was on the Macintosh. Apple partnered with Microsoft to bring what became the Office apps to the Mac. But once Microsoft had this really strong position with Office apps, it could make up its own operating system and basically just transfer all that value, all that connection that people had with Office, and basically say, here's a product called Windows, and it runs all your Office apps, and it runs Office better because we write Office and we write Windows. And the version of Office for the Mac, we don't write as well because we don't care about the Macintosh. (laughs) And the same thing happened with Adobe and Macromedia and every software partner Apple has had. And now it's happening with Google. And it's, you know, Apple has kind of figured out that there's a, you know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a predictable element here. That if you give somebody the value of your platform and allow them to take it somewhere else, you're not going to have that value anymore. So if you look at the things that Apple has put into the App Store, they're making it a, a partnership where if you're doing really well in selling software on Apple's platform, you also have to pay some of your revenues to support the platform that is making you rich. And the same thing with specific technologies like, you know, looking at Google Maps, maps are one of the cool things on the phone. I mean, one of the coolest things on the phone when it arrived was Safari and then, you know, things like mail and then maps. I mean, that was, if you want to show somebody what's cool about an iOS device, you show them maps. And with Google competing against Apple in that very same thing, it makes it kind of important for Apple to take over maps on its own. And if you look at the huge job, I mean, even re- not even looking at maps, the maps product Apple built, if you look at the, the maps product Google has, the current thing they have, just in iOS, it's like other third parties, like Microsoft tried to get into mapping and tried to get third-party developers to use its maps instead of Google's. And if you look at Microsoft's maps, it's like, well, there's a lot of things that aren't as good. And Microsoft was basically just trying to copy the feature set. And that works really badly. There's a lot of companies that have tried to copy the feature set of Office, and they just couldn't do it because there's so much there that people need. With, with Maps, what Apple did is they shot way past what Google does on iOS. Now, some of these things are things that Google is working on and either has under Android or, or partially has or has plans in place to put out there. So Google has its own 3D stuff. It has its own vector stuff. It has its own, um, some of the other initiatives, you know, Google Earth has the modeling and things like that. But Apple is jumping way past what Google had on the iPhone. So Map 6.0 makes a bunch of huge jumps, and they're relying upon their own map system. And people are trying to portray this. I mean, the media is really trying to portray Apple as being this incompetent thing that, like, pushed this out before it was finished. But if you look at how many countries Apple supports, they're really close to Google on a 1.0 product. They've been working on this for years. 
but it's now to the point where it looks cool and it does a lot of things you just can't do in, in Google Maps on iOS. And it's really competitive with Google Maps on Android, which is kind of crazy because um, Google first released that, what, in, was it 2000? It was the end of 2009. So it's, it's now a pretty mature product on Android. And if you look at the Android product, it, ha- it does a lot of things, but it doesn't look good. It's an ugly product. Now, the big complaint, of course, about Maps is not that it doesn't look good. It looks real good. Even when you yeah. print it out, you can print out an itinerary. It looks great. The problem is the glitches. Anything that's wrong gets amplified. Now, for example, if you use or search for Columbia, South Carolina as Columbia, comma, SC, Columbia, South Carolina, major, one of the larger cities in South Carolina, they point you to a place in South America. Yeah, there's a, there's, if you look at the things that are really bad with maps, search is one of the things that are like, what? And um, like searching for place names or contacts. Now, to be fair, I mean, Google search is pretty good for a lot of those things, but it gets a lot of things wrong too. And Apple has kind of participated in, in helping Google to not be able to find place names. Like I've noticed in my international contacts, Apple would always add United States to an address even if it's not in the United States, which makes it hard to find. Um, So that is one of the things that makes you think, why did Apple not mess this up? The other thing that I'm thinking is once stuff gets published, once these errors get published, if you're searching for an address and it shows you the wrong city or something, why isn't Apple fixing these right away? (laughs) That's the thing that's just like, what? Right, Um, because the particular error I pointed out with Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia SC, that's been there for about a week so far. And I know it's known, and Apple has to know because it has been published. And this this uh, Motorola ad, you know, they're pushing this iLoss tag. Um, they search for some address in New York City, and it comes up in Brooklyn or something. And it, it's something like 415 East 15th Street, New York City, and it pulls it up on some other road in Brooklyn. And you're just like, Apple, why haven't you fixed this? <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's a little concerning. That there's some of these, and then in addition to that, in addition to um, some of the search being able to intelligently parse search terms that uh, that Google is really good at, um, that's something that that's an expectation that people have that you can now put in a partial address and and a Maps product should be able to figure out what it is, and Apple really needs to pull that together. The other thing is there's just a whole bunch of information that's just not. Correct. I mean, the the maps seem to be pretty up to date, but there's a lot of tagged stuff. Like I see Google stuff. Like I took some of the pic. I mean, Google. I mean, um, Yelp. I was just looking around um, San Francisco, and there's a Shell gas station that's not been there for you know several years that is still in Yelp's database. Why does Yelp still have that? That's one question. And then I was looking in in Tokyo comparing. You know, I, I was in there. I was in Japan in June, trying to imagine what it would have been like to have been traveling around with Apple's Maps instead of Google's. And there's a couple things that are just a less sophisticated. So, for example, getting around in Tokyo requires subways, and there are at least three or four different types of trains. And on Google Maps and kind of any map, there are three or four different icons for the different systems that run, because you have to. You know, 
kind of important to know what system is going to take you from this spot to this spot. And on Apple's maps, everything is just a generic train station logo, which is not very useful. Also, if they refer you to a third-party app to get a lot of that transportation information, that's one of the criticisms, too, made by some people. Gee, why can't it be built into the app? Why do you have to get another app? But we'll have that answer. Another answer is with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. Much more coming on the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com, focusing on Google Maps. And basically, Daniel was window shopping or window traveling in... Japan, which can be a pretty complicated place to travel. <laughs> and you say there's no differentiation between different transit systems, but don't you have to rely on a third-party app for that anyway? Yeah, so um, there's an awful lot of specialty and detail in maps. And if you look at Google Maps, it's, it's almost like, like I said, it's like, it's like replicating Office. Like, where do you begin? How do you come out with a 1.0 product that even can compete with everything? And Apple's kind of done that before with iWork. You know, they've tried to hit 80% of the functionality and be attractive to at least part of the, the audience that wants Office. So with Google Maps, they're in kind of a similar position of, of what, can we, what can we do that's novel 
what can we do that matches most of what Google has, and what can we delegate to third parties? And so transit apps, uh, Google has a pretty uh, worldwide coverage for transit. They have all kinds of directions. Um, Apple can get, Apple can just uh, license driving directions from a GPS vendor because that's kind of standard. Everybody has driving directions. There's a lot of companies that you can just license their information for driving directions. When it comes to transit, it's a little bit different. And Google stuff is sometimes, in some cases, it's quite good. Like in Japan, I could do a Google search, and it would tell me, get on this train, get on this train, get on this train, and they're all different organizations and whatever, and they do a pretty good job in telling you exactly what you need to do to get there and do whatever you need to do. That's that's a an expert kind of task. And so Apple is relying on third parties that already do that. There's already all this stuff in the, in the App Store for finding routes on different transit agencies. Instead of trying to do all that themselves, they're farming it out to other third parties, which... When I was initially testing it, you, uh, when, it, when it first came out, there was no routing apps there. Now there's a whole bunch, at least in San Francisco. And some of these companies are reporting just huge influx in, you know, people are downloading these helper apps. And so you can compare it to what we had previously, to where if you want to find a route, you, know, you can either push the car button or the walk button or the bus button and get routes from Google. Now when you put you want transit information, it says which app do you want to use, and you pick it, and it opens that app, and it shows you different types. You, you can customize the kind of directions that you want. You can pick a third-party app that gives you the kind of transit directions that you want. Do you want a complicated thing? Do you want something super simple? What do you want? And it's actually better in a lot of respects because it allows for third parties to offer things that Apple didn't think of when it built Maps. So the previous maps was all hardwired to Google. Now you can get the kind of directions that you want. And it's not limited to transit stuff. You can get water taxis and you can have, I was looking at this app that allows you to, called Sidecar. You can basically register as as being available to give people rides. <laughs> or you can find somebody and you know, you click on the map, and it's like, here's a guy with a car, and he's driving a you know Volkswagen Passat, and he's he's he can pick up four people, and it will cost you probably eight dollars to take this ride to where you want to go. And you can say, hey, can you give me a ride? And the guy will come pick you up. So that's kind of an interesting thing that would never happen if Apple either built its own transit system, which would take a long time, or if it just continued to to give Google a monopoly on transit on the iOS. So it's actually a good thing. And people are comparing it to, you know, hey, I wish I could just push this button and, and have, like, right inside the app, do it for me. It's like, well, but there's a compelling reason for it not to work that way. So it really opens up a lot of opportunities for third-party developers, and you get better information. Because a lot of the information that Google had wasn't even correct. I'm, I'm speaking particularly in San Francisco, where there's various transit agencies that have public information about where the next bus is coming. It's based on GPS. And Google's information is not as that correct. So it, it was already this frustrating situation where you'd have to go to a, a third-party app and put in the search and see when it was coming. So now Apple's just integrated that so that these third-party search apps are getting the business that Google used to get automatically. So that's another example of Google just being cut out of the loop. And so, of course, of course, Mr. Schmidt is saying Apple made a huge mistake in getting rid of Google Maps. <laughs> it's a huge mistake for his company to lose all those customers and all that transit data. 
Well, here's the interesting thing, too. Do you feel at all that when people compare Google Maps with Apple's Maps right now, they look at the known defects of both and they make it look that Apple is worse? Well, um, I think the main reason why this story is getting so much airplay is because it's a very simple story that you can tell in a picture. When, when you're trying to complain about an application having this bug and this bug, and you're trying to explain it in words, people are like, okay, whatever, you're complaining about something. But if you can, if you can pull up a screenshot that makes it look stupid, then that's amazing, and people get it because they can just look at a picture and be like, oh, I've got the story. The story is that when you look at Apple Maps, the bridge looks like it's melting into the river. You know, that's the kind of stuff that has been pushing the story is pictures of melting buildings and bridges and whatever. And it's like, okay, so that never happened at Google Maps, nor in, you know, Google iOS Maps in the previous version of iOS 5, because you never had a 3D mode. And if you turn off the 3D mode in iOS 6 Maps, you go back to the flat satellite imagery of the same thing that Google was showing, and there's no melting bridges. So where's the problem? The problem is in the reporting of something that is a false comparison. Well, the other issue here, of course, is when the directions are wrong. And that's a key issue. If you try to go somewhere, well, this is something that can cause a problem where you end up in the wrong place, well, there's an issue that has to be attacked. But then again, I've used mapping applications, MapQuest originally, more Google Maps now, and it's not always perfect. It gets things wrong. You can't rely 100% on any mapping application except in a structured area where you know what the quirks are. Yes, of course. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of directional problems with iOS Maps. I haven't seen that reported. What I've seen reported is that you can't find endpoints. So people look up their address and it shows them you know, it's either off a little bit or it's off substantially or it's in the wrong city or something because it's it's made assumptions. Like you're saying, you know, you search for something that should be South Carolina, should be easy to find, and it finds South America, you know, something stupid like that. Um, that's You're not going to, like, accidentally find yourself in South America because you follow these instructions. That's kind of stupid. I don't think there's a problem with directions. I think there's a problem with search, sophisticated search, being able to find certain addresses, which... A lot of people take for granted the fact that Google is really smart in being able to figure out things that are entered in kind of a sloppy way. So that's a core competency. And you can, you can criticize um, Apple's maps for not being able to always find things well. But if you have your endpoints defined, I don't think there's a problem with it giving you false directions. So that, I think, is a false... It's, it's like something that people have assumed to be a problem when it's not really. I've, it is sometimes. I mean, it is sometimes with both services, and actually some of the comparisons have said, okay, if you take a route from here to there, and they're comparing the Google Maps route with the Apple Maps route, Apple misses more often than they get it correct. But the other question, of course, is to what extent are they weighing the results? I mean, if you do 50 tests... Yeah, And maybe Google gets a few wrong and Apple gets a few wrong. Which ones do you publish where Apple gets it wrong? Not that well, Apple like, is necessarily perfect. As we all know, this is one of those systems where it's up to the individual users to continue to report errors. And gradually, over time, Apple will get the message. Maybe they won't figure out Columbia, South Carolina this week, but maybe next week. I mean, the other question is, how often do they roll out updates? They may have 100,000 updates to make for maps, but will it be rolled out every week, every month? What? You know, it's a cloud service, so they can do it in real time if they, if they get to that point. But um, the other thing with directions is that anyone who uses GPS or, or, or Apple or, you know, Google's 
GPS. Google has never been really great at giving awesome directions. It just draws a line between two points on the map. It's pretty good at transit directions because it, it can, you know, that's something you can calculate pretty easily. But driving directions, Google is not that great for. So when I compare, for my, for example, in my car, or a real GPS system, is a lot. There's a lot more substantial thinking going on than when you go to something in Google Maps. Google Maps just shows, just draws a line on the map. We'll and, not draw lines here when we talk to Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. We go straight ahead. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1, S-E-E-N number one, SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest as seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366, 1-866-277-3366. The code Scene one to save 10%. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with Wise Foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit Big B-E-R-K-E-Y waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Or go to BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. If you like cow's milk, 
You'll love camel milk. Yes, the newest, oldest thing in the world, camel milk, has sustained civilizations for thousands of years. Here's just one user's testimonial. My lime-stricken boy developed severe allergies to nearly every food he ingested. At first, I was scared to death to try camel milk, but he had no allergic reactions of any kind, nothing. The camel milk was wondrous in healing his GI issues, and it's the one thing I can attribute to his getting out of bed after almost a year spent there, too ill to do anything. Camel milk is loaded with health benefits, are superior to other milk, is rich in B vitamins, and three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk, ten times higher in iron. Camel milk comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm. Humpback Dairies of Miller, Missouri. To order, call this number, 1-417-848-7570. That's 1-417-848-7570. Call 1-417-848-7570 for camel milk. The best kept health secret ever. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. One more segment with him. We were focusing on the problems with Apple Maps versus Google Maps. But, of course, Apple is under the microscope. Whatever problems they have will be magnified. And knowing that mapping services in general are going to be inaccurate and may be inaccurate in different ways and different services, this is something that Apple will never overcome, but eventually the situation will be that they will have less complaints. After the first few weeks die down, they'll get rid of the worst defects. People will stop complaining, stop yapping about it, and they'll get on with their lives. Well, I think it's important for people to complain about things so they will get fixed, but at the same time, you should complain about things that are actually a problem. So, for example, like what I was saying, search is actually a problem for Apple. And you're giving good examples of, you know, why is this still giving this result when I search for something that should obviously show me this? And that's something that Apple needs to fix. The other thing, I mean, when we're talking about directions, that's not really a problem. And the reason why it's not is because Apple is getting information from a GPS vendor. And GPS is an established art that isn't that hard to figure out. And that's evident from the fact, you know, like, I was looking for examples of direction problems. And the most obvious example that I can think of in San Francisco is when you're going down Market Street to get onto the freeway. They rebuilt the freeway. And... There's an opportunity to get on the freeway that if you miss, the second opportunity, the apparent opportunity, is a no, do not turn here thing where you can physically go around a barrier and get onto the freeway, but you are not supposed to do that. And it has this huge signs, you know, $250 fine because you're going over a bike lane and you're going to run people over. And there's been a lot of people that have been run over on that place. And this very famous intersection that what you're supposed to do is go a little bit further and get on the freeway a little bit later. So... I asked different GPS systems how to get on the freeway if you're here, how to get it on. Apple got it right because, you know, they have contracted with this GPS vendor that knows that you can't turn right here, haven't been able to turn right here since 2004. Google, for some reason, doesn't have that in its database. And it's one of the most obvious examples of if you are driving without paying attention and just following GPS blindly, Google will give you instructions that are egregiously illegal and dangerous. 
And so when you look at examples like that, you cannot make the case that Google has some amazing map system that is flawless and doesn't have problems. Because this is not some out-of-the-way, you know, crazy little thing hidden in somewhere nobody goes. This is going from the b- biggest boulevard in San Francisco towards Google. This is their own it's, backyard, right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a, like the famous intersection. It's how you'd go from the biggest street in San Francisco towards Google's headquarters. And they get it wrong. And it's not just, you know, a, a path that's too long. It's a $250 fine. Do not turn here. You're going to kill bicyclists type error. And so when you look at that kind of instruction, I mean, Google Maps is you know, on that level. of They don't have some of the most basic, obvious things in their system. If you look at that, you realize Google is not really that great at directions. They're really good at search. So they can really find, they can really parse questions and give you a good how do I get to this address? But the direction that they show is basically as sophisticated. And I've traveled in a number of countries with Google Maps. And I know that how Google Maps finds directions is basically lays out a map and asks a five-year-old kid, how do I get from here to here? And they draw the line like it's a puzzle map. It's not really... Sure, but they also give you step-by-step directions. You may have to go through several different generations of turnoffs. Certainly but- like going to Las Vegas from Phoenix. But the turns aren't that sophisticated. Sure. I mean, the route mapping that it does is not on the level of a GPS system. That's a dedicated, our company is all about getting you there correctly in the least amount of time or the most scenic route or whatever you choose. So they basically do the straight lines, and then based on the straight lines, they look at where the intersections are. Yeah. Okay, so we understand the way they do that. In any case, I guess Apple will do better if they get more and more fixes and maybe have another press release like a month from now saying hi folks we've added you know 10 million different changes we know it's not perfect keep reporting it to us apple ceo tim cook has now said basically the same thing but that shuts people up for a while or maybe they shouldn't say anything i think they should just continue fixing things and i think they should be really attentive which i don't think they have been i mean when when google motorola is putting up an advertisement that says, if you look for this specific address in New York City, you get this crazy thing in Brooklyn from Apple. Oh, of course. We don't want to go to Brooklyn. But by the way, I was able to find one of the streets I lived on, two of the streets I lived on in Brooklyn. Okay? So I was good. You know, I'll give you the addresses because it doesn't matter anymore. 102 Newport Street in Brooklyn and 214 Rockaway Parkway in Brooklyn. It got those right. Well, the problem isn't that it can't find addresses. It's that there's specific addresses that when you ask for it, it consistently finds something that's just like a what? You know, like, where did it come up with that? And that's the kind of thing that looks really bad. It's not typical, and it's not... It's really easy to come up with kind of contrived examples of finding something that looks really wrong, but it's a picture that people look at, and they're like, oh, Apple Maps recommended this. That's crazy. So, I mean, Apple really has to get on that and say, okay, so someone's reported this. We need to fix this in the database so that a week later, someone who sees this ad and puts it in their iPhone doesn't get, why hasn't Apple fixed this? That's well, Apple should be watching those ads and getting the mapping team to yes. fix that yesterday. Say, okay, anything you see in the ads, anything on the tweets, anything in Facebook, anything that the reviewers talk about, that's job number one. Get rid of that stuff. You get rid of that stuff first, because we're not talking about hundreds or thousands of cases, maybe dozens of cases that you have to get rid of first. Yeah, I mean, start with the print advertisements. 
<laughs> that are getting a lot of airplay. Because then they really look foolish. And then also, um, remember when, when Google Earth came out, they were having people model stuff and, and put in models. There's, there's a lot of things, you know, when you're advertising flyover, if you're going to advertise flyover as being this cool way to look around, and it is really cool in places where it's finished, um, you should at least address some landmark kind of things we're going to look at. Because right now, it's, there's a lot of it is automated. So it's taking basically data of what the elevation of various areas is and just mapping the ground with it. So you get some 3D effect without having to go in and tweak stuff. But if you go to landmarks, you know, like, like one of the people has been showing up is the um, Hoover Dam. So Hoover Dam itself is actually modeled pretty well because – but there's a highway next to it that goes across the gorge – the spillway, and instead of being modeled correctly of being suspended in the air, it kind of like falls down into the valley. Now, that's not a problem for anybody. No one's going to like, oh, I think we're supposed to like fall down into the valley here instead of drive across the bridge. But it, it's a visual thing that you can put in a Tumblr blog and be like, oh, look how stupid Maps is. I'll tell you what, before we run out of time looking for these stupidities, tell our listeners where they can find more things from Daniel Aaron Dilger. I write for myownroughlydrafted.com and also for appleinsider.com. And appleinsider.com, he writes a little bit of everything, reviews lots of products, like he has an excellent review out, and really detailed, better than a lot of the reviews you read elsewhere, on the iPhone 5. So he's always there with the cutting-edge material, the cutting-edge logic, and the cutting-edge products. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. 
HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Who wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health? Two reasons you may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show viral bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A, Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. That's 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health with pH Drops from AlkaVision.com. We take a lot for granted. Lights, water, even food we eat. But what if these things went away? Would you know how to protect your family in a natural or man-made disaster? Would you know how to survive? When disaster hits, power and water are gone and the mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves. You and your family may be waiting in long lines for help. Don't be helpless. Learn the secrets to survival at 123survivalplan.com. Do you know the 37 crucial food items you can't live without? Many people don't have these food items. Learn what you need to hoard at 123 survivalplan.com recently over 1 million people have viewed the video at 123survivalplan.com these survival secrets are vital the government suggests we maintain an emergency supply of food and water but do you know the 37 food items that will fly off grocery shelves or a simple way to treat unsafe drinking water this information is critical find it now on 123survivalplan.com don't take your family's safety for granted visit 123survivalplan.com that's 123survivalplan.com What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, where he's the online editorial director. And he's also the geek in chief, which means that if it's about geeks, he's the chief geek. Is that correct, sir? Absolutely. Okay, we're going to start our discussion with something that I decided to call Map Gate. Okay? Because we have gates. We had Antenna Gate, we had Watergate, and parenthetically speaking, I actually visited the Watergate many years ago before Nixon quit as president. So many years ago, in the 1970s, I had relatives who lived at the Watergate in the condominiums over there. So since then, it's got to be a gate. A gate is a controversy. So Antenna Gate, because of Reports that the iPhone 4 antenna was defective if you held it the wrong way, that kind of thing. And now we have MapGate because Apple releases their own version of Maps because they're not partnering with Google. Now, we had a discussion about this earlier on with Daniel Aaron Dilger. And I wanted to bring up the MapGate issue with Avram because Daniel, since he did his segment for the show, wrote an article which apparently 
Motorola Mobility is allegedly trying to produce an ad called iLost where they show that Google Maps shows a particular location that can't be found accurately on Apple's Maps. And the contention that Daniel's making, and you've seen the article and you've seen the evidence, we'll discuss it in a moment, the contention that Daniel makes here is that the ad is faked because the address, 315 East 15th Street in Manhattan, does not technically exist. What's your point of view? Well, this is sort of lazy marketing on the part of Motorola because, you know, it it really depends upon what you consider to be a valid address. So I don't know what the post office considers to be a valid address, but that address in Google Maps is mapped to a park. And indeed, if there was a 315 East uh, 15th Street, that's where it would be. Now, do the parks actually get an address? That's an interesting question. Do New York City parks actually get street numbers? You mean something like, for example, Central Park. Does Central Park have an address? I don't think so. I think it has an intersection. And I I think if you had an address at this public park, 315 East 15th Street, maybe it has a public bathroom. You'd attach an address to the public bathroom. The key is, as we all know, those of us who've lived in New York or have grown up there, that different boroughs of New York may also have numbered streets like uh, East 15th Street in Brooklyn. And supposedly here, what's happening is that Apple, when looking for 315 East 15th Street in New York City, will go to Brooklyn to find it. So evidently this address does exist in Brooklyn, but not in Manhattan. So the request is imprecise. Google Maps, shouldn't they be saying no such address or what? Perhaps, but uh, I think it's more accurate to give you, I guess, a snapshot of where it would be. I mean, I think there's an interesting question as to whether or not someone would actually look for that. And the answer is no, they wouldn't look for that because they wouldn't be given an address for the park. So what Motorola should have done, they took the lazy way out. They probably found this. They didn't really think about the circumstances or they couldn't find another good example that worked easily. So... They did a quick search. Oh, goody, we found an error. Now we can use it in our ad. Well, they needed to do a little bit more digging and find something where there clearly was an error because I'm sure with all the problems with Apple Maps, they could have found something, but this was probably the first thing that they found that was workable. And so I, I bet you it's just some some kind of laziness rather than a really big attempt to deceive because, I mean, in effect – they took a real screenshot. They didn't fake it. The issue is that Google Maps functions differently than Apple Maps in that if you give it an address of a park or something, it gives you a point on the map where that street number would be. The other thing here is technically then maybe Apple is being correct. But we understand their problems. I mean, as of the time we're doing the show, and I mentioned this in the previous segments, if you search for Columbia, comma, SC, which is Columbia, South Carolina... On Apple's Maps, you get a location in South America, or at least you did. I'll check again as we talk. The point is, of course, that all mapping services have defects. And when you start from scratch, you're going to have more defects than anybody else. So I guess the bigger question is not that Apple has defects, because I guess it takes crowdsourcing to really clean up a lot of that stuff, which is what Google is using. The question is here, do you think... Apple could have tried harder to cut a deal with Google over turn-by-turn navigation. That's the key, isn't it? 
They could have, but I, I have to wonder if at some point it might be in Google's best interest not to help Apple out. Obviously, Google is more interested in getting their Maps app and their Gmail and their all their services out there on whatever platforms exist. But considering all of the sort of enmity with Apple, it might actually be in Google's best interest not to make a Maps app for iOS 6 so that that becomes a differentiator for Android phones. They're not going to do that. Eric Schmidt has come out and said that they would like to make a Maps app. You know, they'd like to be on iOS 6, I think. So it's really a matter of Apple being a little bit recalcitrant, not wanting to send people to Google. I think they're going to be kind of forced to work it out because of the embarrassment involved. But it does show that Google has certain strengths that Apple doesn't have. They have a really good mapping service that's been developed over the course of many years. Now, we know that Apple is hiring people, including some form of Google engineers. And the question is here, and I don't know, you don't know how adaptable that system is. How easy is it for them to look at the problem reports? And they're aware of all these things because... A lot of people are sending them those reports. They certainly read what the media reports. They're aware of this stuff. The question is, once they know a problem exists, how long does it take them to fix the problem? And the faster they fix the problem, you know, the faster the maps will adapt. And we have to think that in a few months, and if it takes Google two or three months to build a new mapping application that's also going to have to incorporate, I gather, the code from Google Earth, when Google does this, and they'll do it on the web first before they build an application to get it out faster will time have passed them by i i think obviously google just has a better database this is based on tom apple's uh, database is based on tom tom google has the leading mapping service google has street view google has just so much going on that that infrastructure is really good and i don't think it will ever be too late for Google to appear on a new platform. So, you know, whatever, you know, if Google wants to appear on the BlackBerry 10 platform, if that ever comes out, people will be more than happy to use Google Maps because Google Maps is becoming, a st- and or I would say has already become a standard. It's not perfect either. I can show you areas where I've done routes, and I can see where it makes errors. But I think the key here is that if you've developed a product since, what, 2004, you have eight years' experience That counts for a lot. And no matter what tricks Apple uses to bring things up to date. And by the way, they're not just using TomTom. If you look at the About box, they've got like 20 different sources for data that they're collating. So it's not just TomTom. The key is here is how fast can Apple get the most important changes in. You know, maybe technically Google's Maps will always be better because of the years of experience. But if Apple can whittle away... 90 or 95 percent of the really serious errors it may not make that much of a difference to a lot of people perhaps but you're playing something that is not an apple strength apple strength is not web services and a map is in effect a web service whether you want to use it on the web or use it in an app and if you look at things like the ping service that that they closed at how you know mobile me worked out all of that stuff this is not Apple's strength. So they're playing against their strength when they're getting into this maps business. Well, you know, was it their strength to make chips for computers? Their strength was in hardware. So making chips, perhaps not, but 
their strength wasn't their strength was in hardware. So is it impossible for them to do? No, they have huge resources. They just have to have the DNA to do it, and it may take time. We'll in have the meantime, to see how it turns out. In the meantime, MapGate will continue. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? Aquapail from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapail units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapail has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface, well, and wastewater sources. Aquapail. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48, ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now, thanks to Dan Pillow, you can get the tax help you need to end your tax nightmare. 
Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce or eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. With the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. Call 800-346-6829. Learn how I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We started with MapGate because we want to differentiate the iPhone, especially the iPhone 5 or iOS 6 from Android, and see where the deficiencies are. And obviously, Apple is getting dinged real seriously about the mapping problem. And we don't know, in terms of the skill sets of Apple's mapping crew, we've heard former Google engineers, we have to see how, having made this investment, how fast they could bring it up to par. Now, Apple has the money. If you can just throw money at mapping and hire the engineers away from Google, maybe give them more money, maybe Apple can do it. Time will tell. Okay, comparing now that we have the iPhone 5 compared to all the Google Android hardware out there, iOS 6 compared to the latest Google OS releases, where are the comparisons? Other than maps, we know about that. Well, I think, obviously, with Android, you have the freedom to get all different kinds of hardware. And that's the first way in which Android is just far superior to iOS. So Apple just gave you a four-inch screen, and they said, wow, that's really big. But on Android, you have a choice of form factors ranging from anywhere from 3.2 inches up to 5.5 inches. So if you don't agree with Apple that four inches is the largest uh, a phone should be, or even if you do, you can get the screen size and form factor of your choice with Android because of the strength of the ecosystem and how large it is. Now, that's an interesting question we should go into here, and that is when it comes to screen size, what is the most comfortable? Because what Apple's trick is to keep the width the same and just increase the height with the feeling that it's still comfortable to hand. If you make something too wide or too long, it doesn't fit in the pocket as comfortably. You can't do everything with one hand. Lately, I've been using a 4.3-inch Android phone, and I find that it is really the perfect size. I'll admit, when I use some of the phones that we've had in the office that have 5.5-inch or 5.3 or even 4.7-inch screens, they feel a little bit big. On the other hand, they offer some advantages. If, for example, you want to have a better movie viewing experience so you can see more, more detail, that's where you get some help from having something like the 4.8-inch Galaxy S3. Also, for typing on a virtual keyboard, easier to target the keys if they're bigger. Another thing that Android offers which requires a big screen, is pen support. So if you want something like the Galaxy Note 2, you're not going to find it on on iOS because with the iPhone 5, you could use a capacitive pen if you wanted to, but it's not pen-enabled, it's not optimized for pen, it doesn't give you an active stylus, and four inches is a really small space to try to scribble something. Well, I'll tell you something. When it comes to handwriting, the Newton message pads, 
with the stylus, couldn't figure out my handwriting. Don't know if modern equivalents will do it either, because my handwriting is really dreadful. But, of course, Apple doesn't fill every niche of a market. Apple's decision is to take areas where they think they could be most effective, and if you don't like those choices, you buy somebody else's product. It's as simple yeah. as that. Maybe you don't like the 4-inch and you want the 4.3, or you want the, what's it called, the phablet, which is like a smartphone and a tablet combined, like the five, five and a half inches, that kind of thing. If you want that, you buy it. But Apple well, ho- won't produce hopefully it. you can buy it as long as Apple doesn't sue its competitors out of business so that they can stop making alternative products and you can only buy an iPhone. Well, I don't believe that for a moment. I think what will happen is, like with everything else, what will happen is that as Apple wins a few, all these other companies have to do is work around it, which they're doing already. So they know the limits now. Apple is showing them the way. These are the areas where if you have these features enabled this way, we will sue you and possibly we will win. So what do you do? You look for other ideas. So there are obviously a lot of other things you get with Android that you don't get with iOS. For example, let's say putting screen size and pen support aside, there's a lot more room for personalization on an Android device. So if you've got a desktop, an Android device, you have a desktop where you can move widgets around, you can get live information fed onto the desktop, you, ha- you can put pictures on your desktop, you can have all kinds of alerts on your desktop and Android, and of course you, you get a wide variety of things like live wallpapers to really make the phone feel like yours. On Android, on iPhone 5, what's the big innovation? You get another row of icons. So you've just got this grid of icons rolling down your screen. And while it may be efficient, it's absolutely no fun, and it doesn't really put the information that you want at a glance. Well, that, of course, is always the key Mac OS versus Windows issue, that Windows offers more granular options in terms of configuring the operating system. Apple focuses on a core set. Of course, with OS X, at least there are third-party utilities that can harness lots more features. Obviously, that's not as readily available in a mobile operating system, but then that's the choice Apple makes, that they want a certain number of features. They feel if you put too many, you just confuse the user, or you make them resource-heavy. You know, it's a different kind of marketing approach. If you don't like the added configurability and you just want things here they are just so you get the ios if you want the extra stuff if you want to modify the roms i gather people do that some people overclock the chips in android phones if you want that power user stuff android is there but i don't even think this is a power user that configuring your desktop is a power user type of thing to do a lot of phones come with widgets on their Android desktops that provide really useful functionality. For example, HTC bundles a people widget on a lot of its phones that have its sense skin, and the people widget shows you your social updates without you having to go in and separately launch apps like Facebook and Twitter. You get the alerts right there. You don't get anything like that in in iOS, and it's not even possible for that to happen. I mean, on the new Motorola phones, they have this really neat thing called Circles, which shows you the weather, any missed calls you have, and your battery status right on the home screen. You don't, get, you don't have the option of having something like that on iOS. Another thing you don't have the option to do, which I find really troublesome 
about iOS is the sharing functionality is just years behind Android because every app ha- every app developer has to decide what social networks and what services they're going to allow you to share with. So if you're in Safari and you want to share a web page, you have a different set of options perhaps than if you're in a third-party app that wants to let you share. And some of them will let you share via email and some of them will not. It's not a consistent user experience across all apps. It's up to the developer. Do you think maybe, therefore, Apple should be offering a more consistent paradigm for all developers to attach? Yes, but that would include themselves because even in their own built-in apps, they're not consistent. They're not allowing you to choose exactly what you want. Part of the issue here is that there's not doesn't seem like there's a way in iOS for applications that are capable of sharing something to load themselves onto a share list. So if you're an Android and you get a share option, whether you're in the photo gallery, you're in a third-party app like Instagram, you're in your email, you're in your browser, you're in what. If it's something that has a share button in it, and if I build an app and I want to put a share button in it for whatever reason, as soon as you hit that share, you get a pop-up list of every possible share service that's installed on your device. That ranges from Bluetooth sharing with someone to email sharing to Facebook, Google+. And you know what? If I invent my own social network and I call it Pilch Trust instead of Pinterest, I'll tell you I what. Are you looking for an IPO menu. for this now, or just venture capital? <laughs> I mean, if the point is that anybody can get onto that share menu, and so anything I install, I can share with, and any app that shares can access that sharing menu. And by the way, Microsoft is doing this with Windows 8. In Windows 8, they have something called share contracts, and anybody who writes a shareable, an app that does sharing, can get onto the list. So this is a wish list for iOS 7. So maybe for iOS 7, because iOS 6 is there, that you have configurable share lists that each program that may require share services. I'm starting to think even like the desktop OS 10. You have share services here that you can add additional services based on the different apps you have. But Android has had that for several years. We understand that. We understand that. But I'm saying is maybe it's a wish list for iOS 7. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, another thing that I think people will need to consider if they're trying to decide between an Android phone and iOS and iPhone 5 is, do you like the iPhone keyboard? Because that's the only keyboard you're going to get. There's there's no way to load a third-party keyboard onto iPhone 5. We're talking about the virtual keyboard here. Yeah. Maybe you want a different alphabet or something or a different way of typing and we know there are a few different alternatives we have avram pilch he's our alternative he's with laptop magazine i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app 
free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. Welcome back to Get Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. With Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live, we're spending the remaining four segments with Adrian Pilch of Laptop Magazine, where he is the online editorial director. He's pointing out a number of features that Android has that the iOS doesn't have, and maybe we could think whether Apple would consider them. So we have now, you can have different kinds of keyboards, not the standard system-wide Apple keyboard, but any developer can come in there and add an alternate keyboard? Right, and some people swear by swipe, which allows you to trace between letters. There's all kinds of different predictive options like Swift Key, which can actually predict what they think the next word is going to be for you. So... There's just an infinite number of possible options. On top of that, you have haptic feedback on an, on most Android phones, whereas you don't have it on 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 iPad or iPhone. Now so, let's talk about haptic because I know Apple has some patents on haptic feedback, although it's not enabled on the iPad or the iPod Touch or the iPhone. Okay, it's giving you the sense of when you type something, you feel you've typed something, you've typed a key, even though it's a flat screen. So is this something that really works well, or is it a gimmick? For me, it works extremely well. I couldn't live without it. I recently made the big leap from actually using a phone with a physical keyboard, which I loved, to using an Android phone with a virtual keyboard. And what allowed me to do it is haptic feedback. Because when you're typing, and this is an ergonomic truth in the world of computers as it was in typewriters, you want to have tactile feedback. You want to have tactile feedback. You might want to have audible feedback. You want to have as much feedback as possible because as you type, to know that, you, that your tap has registered, 
on a traditional keyboard, you feel the key under your finger. And the more feedback it gives you, the more obvious it is that you've hit the key and your stroke is registered. Now, haptic feedback is not nearly as good as typing on even a crappy physical keyboard, but it does give you more of that sense that, okay, my tap was just registered. It heard me. You know, I don't have to tap again. Another thing that I really like on the Android keyboard, and iOS does this to an extent too, is when you hit a letter and it sort of pops up so you can kind of see, okay, I hit the R key now. I didn't hit an adjacent key by accident. But feedback is feedback is really important. Now, some people just don't like it. My wife thinks it's like shaking hands with someone who has a buzzer in there, has one of those old buzzers for practical joking in their hands. But I personally really like it. I think a lot of people like haptic feedback. And if you don't like it, you can always turn it off. It's an easy option in settings to disable. So I think that's a really key feature that you don't get with iPhone 5 that you do get with most Android phones. Okay, if you were the developer of haptic feedback on Android phones, are there things that maybe they can do to make it work better? Well, I mean, it it doesn't work poorly. I think one of the issues is that with haptics, you get the feeling, even though it seems to feel like it's on whatever area of screen you touched, there's not a different sensor under different areas of the screen. So it would be interesting if they had a way of making it feel more like, okay, maybe the level of feedback or the kind of feedback you get was different based on which letter you hit so that you could even have just more of a sense of touch typing. Because the biggest problem with typing on a virtual keyboard is you have to look. There's no question but that you have to look down at the keys. And, of course, the other big problem with it is that it covers up a good chunk of your screen. But there's really not much you can do about that. But if you had really, really super haptic feedback, maybe you could type without looking uh, like you can on on a computer. And that would certainly help your efficiency. I don't know if we'll get to that point, but I think having the feedback is key. And we've met with some haptic developers to talk about how they're trying to, to adjust the level of haptic feedback. So they've shown things like a guitar where you run it over the strings and it feels sort of different depending on what string you rub on with your finger in the app. So there's definitely a lot of advances being made there. Now, there's a republished report that came out several years ago that Apple has patents for different versions of haptic keyboards. So evidently they're trying to do different things to adjust the feedback. There's a story from 2011, 2010, 2007 about various Apple developments. So evidently they're working on something and for whatever reason they opted not to include it in the current iteration of the iPhone or the iPad. I mean, they're not alone. BlackBerry doesn't support haptic feedback, and Windows Phone doesn't support haptic feedback. Android appears to be the, as far as I know, is the only one where you where you can have haptic feedback. So but maybe a decision's a being plus. made here by Research in Motion and Apple that, yeah, it's an interesting feature, but let's wait till we develop it further. But that's anyone's point of view. What else? What other features? Well, NFC is another example of right. something where... Apple is waiting while other people or other companies are moving ahead. Doesn't Apple do that always, though? They they never are first with a lot of key features. Like the first iPhone didn't support 3G. They waited until the networks were further propagated, until the chips were better developed. The same thing with LTE now. LTE came out last year, but Apple's decision is the chips use too much resources, too much battery power. They waited to a more refined level of the hardware. They don't just bring out things first. They bring out things when they are perfected to Apple's specific requirement. 
that's true, and that's always a positive way to look at it. Another way to look at it might be that Apple. Apple likes to iterate, so they don't want to throw in all their services this year when they want to make sure that they have something left over for next year. NFC is for sure going to – NFC or something like it is going to be available on an iPhone in the future. I'm almost certain of it. Uh, but Apple is hanging out and waiting because there isn't a lot of – a lot you can do with NFC at the moment. You can use it for mobile payments using Google Wallet, although obviously Apple's not going to support Google Wallet. And in fact, all of the carriers, including Verizon, don't support Google Wallet. So that's difficult. That's a difficult situation to use, to deal with. You can use it for sharing contacts and other small amounts of information between uh, Android phones when you tap their backs together. You can use it for certain security things. So... There's a lot of potential in it. There's not a ton of actual apps that use it, but there are a few neat ones in the Android space. For example, there's one called AnyDo, which is a task manager, and you can basically tap someone's phone and assign them a task. So if you're a family and you want to give your kids chores, tap your phone to their phone and they've got the chore. There's a lot of potential in it, and we're starting to see NFC used in notebooks, by the way. Apparently, a lot of Ultrabooks and tablets are now going to have NFC, and you're going to actually be able to tap your credit card, for example, your uh, Visa Pay Pass, or no, it's MasterCard Pay Pass, I think, against the deck of your notebook and pay that way. So it may be a little bit of a gimmick, but it's kind of a neat gimmick, and there's a lot of potential on it, and you're not going to be able to realize that potential on your iPhone 5. Well, I think Apple has explained the decision. They don't feel the technology works well enough yet or is supported enough. I know your predecessor on this show, Daniel Aaron Dilger, told us a couple of weeks back that he had a credit card with NFC-enabled, and he tried it with an NFC-enabled phone, and he couldn't get a dealer who had the feature on his credit card processing equipment to make it work. It didn't work. So we're talking about technology here that may be workable in the future, but not yet. There are things that you can do with it today. The e-commerce thing is a little bit still up in the air because there are a lot of competing standards. There's ISIS, there's PayPass, there's Google Wallet. So that may be up in the air, but look at, look at it from the perspective of future-proofing. If you buy an iPhone 5 and then next year there's some really compelling thing going on with NFC, you still won't be able to use it until you upgrade to whatever the next iPhone is that has it. So you're now bound with this for two years. To, you're committing to not have NFC for the length of your contract. Well, I think it's also the key here is you're adding another piece of hardware, which is going to use some level of resources, some level of battery life. And we know from the history of the iPhone, Apple never adds a feature just because it's new and has promise. It has to reach some kind of standard that they want, whether you like it or not. You know, what can I say? You may feel that this is a good idea to add it now, and therefore you buy the phone that has it. Or you may go along with, okay, for a year or two, I'll have to live without it if Apple adds it to the iPhone 5S. And I don't think this could be an iPhone 6 next year. It's going to be a 5S because Apple doesn't upgrade the case every year. It's going to be a refined version. Maybe it'll have NFC. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe the industry will go to other standards. You know, it's still kind of early in the game, and maybe there needs to be more unification. We'll have to see. We'll get into some more of this in a moment, Android versus iOS. Android is always going to have more features. We see that. We have Avram Pilch joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. (music) 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Quantitative easing, unemployment at depression levels, Europe financial system falling apart, China getting out of U.S. treasuries. At the end of 2008, the time of TARP, the national debt was at 11 trillion gold, trading around $850 per ounce. Close to 2012, the national debt exceeded 16.4 trillion, gold doubled to $1,600 per ounce. The 20 trillion threshold for the national debt is inevitable. Politicians in Washington have a ferocious appetite for spending and stimulus. What's worse, a printing press to finance. A hundred years ago, we had a gold standard to limit this madness, but now you have to adopt your own gold standard. Don't be fooled with paper promises. Get Midas Resources 10 Reasons to Buy Gold free by calling 800-686-2237. Understanding the gold and silver market may be the only insurance you could have to avoiding the next economic crisis. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order your free copy. Again, that's 800-686-2237. What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs? Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Renovation Teas uses only 100% organic, fair trade herbs. Our teas are blended towards specific ailments and health conditions, such as diabetes, blood pressure, anxiety, libido, detox, and much more. All Renovation Teas are formulated and hand-filled in Arkansas. Take care of yourself naturally, the way Mother Nature intended. Order Renovation Teas at RenovationTea.com or call 870-784-3121. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Teas. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Avram Pilch joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. He's the online editorial director of Laptop Magazine, laptopmag.com. We're focusing on features that Android has that the iOS does not have, and we can argue or debate the reasons why Apple wouldn't have such a feature, such as inductive charging, which is where you can place a device without physically plugging in something onto some kind of charging tray, and it picks up its current. You know what? I, I almost can't blame Apple for, for not incorporating that yet. It's become such a gimmick, inductive charging, because it's, in my experience, it's not significantly better than just plugging into a wire. I mean, in a lot of cases, you have to stick your phone into a charging shoe and then put it on top of the charging mat, which is itself plugged in. Now, what Nokia is doing with its upcoming Lumia 920 is it's building the receptacle into the phone so at least you don't need to put a case around the phone to put it on the charging surface. But it's just too much work for too little reward. So you've got to have this charging mat set up so that you can plop your phone down on it, but really, why don't you just have a a cord coming out of the wall? I mean, it's a little bit better than having a cord coming out of the wall, but not a lot. The Qi standard that Lumia, that Nokia Lumia supports uh, is becoming kind of an industry standard now, but it's still kind of a joke until the point at which you have charging stations when you're out and about. So having it at your home, having it at your office, it's a minor convenience. If you went out to a restaurant in the middle of the table, they had a charging mat for you, that would mean something. And apparently, Nokia is working on that. There's a couple of coffee shops, not not a major one like Starbucks, that are going to have this uh, charging station available. But honestly, I almost can't blame Apple. The inductive charging stuff is is more of a proof of concept than an actually helpful, actually helpful charging system. Give me a wire coming out of the wall anytime. But- I'll tell you something. We actually had a guest on the show, what, five, six years ago? And they had an inductive charging system. They were right here in Arizona, and I got to see their facility, and I got to look at the product. And this was probably just about the time the first iPhone came out, so I was able to plug it into an iPhone that had this little adapter, and I use it for maybe an hour, and that was it. So it's one of those technologies. Apple is also getting dinged, of course, for the Lightning connector. Before they had a dock connector, 30-pin, Lightning, another proprietary connector, all digital connector that is reversible. That's, I'm, I guess, the stock and trade. It's reversible, and it's capable of adding more features that may not be there now, but might be there in future models. But there is an industry standard called micro-USB. Right. What Apple is doing here is that they are creating something that is not good for the environment, unfriendly for, for users, but designed to boost up uh, the accessories business and make somebody a lot of money, not just Apple, but but the accessory makers like the Targuses of the world. Because if you had an older iPhone, and probably a great many iPhone 5 purchasers had an iPhone before, it used a different kind of proprietary docking connector. And all of your speaker docks and your 
mobile chargers and everything like that was designed for that special connector. Well, well of course, now, but Apple isn't the only company to make a proprietary connector. But now there is an adapter cable. It has some limitations, though. But there is an adapter cable or plug. I think Apple should have given it to you free, though. Perhaps. And consider this. They're not violating the letter, but in, in my opinion, violating the spirit of the law in the of the regulations in the EU, which require all the phone manufacturers to use micro USB as a standard. They get around it because they give you an adapter or they make available an adapter in the EU and, and in America to convert to USB. But the point of that regulation was that you could use the wires from one phone generation to the next. So if you had a Motorola Droid and it got old and you threw it away, but you could keep the wire when you buy another phone. Everybody else in the industry for phones is following this standard. I'll tell you something, though. One of the issues there, of course, supposedly Apple has more features on their connector. The second thing, I'll tell you why I hate micro USB and it's called It's Very Easy to Break. That's what it's called. It's very easy to break. You know, it's a very tiny connector and you got to get it in there the right direction. It's not reversible. And I've had once or twice seen the jack break off. I don't know that I did the wrong thing, but it's easy enough to break that I'm not happy with that standard. And I don't think Apple did this just to make things incompatible. They feel they have a sound engineering reason. That's from what they say. I don't think they just introduce a standard just for the heck of it or violate an existing standard just for the heck of it. And there is a new standard that provides better features. It's called Micro USB 3.0, which provides faster data speeds, so it could be connected to better peripherals and provides power. But what you have, yes, Micro USB, if you jam it in there, you could break it. Although in years and years of doing this across probably hundreds of devices, I've never broken a micro USB port. Yes, I've had annoyances where I realized I was jamming it in the wrong way and I had to turn around. That happens to me all the time. But beyond that, it's something that just works. So, you know, when you've got a drawer full of cables, you should be able to yank one out and just have it work. And if you want to go buy one from Newegg or Monoprice or someplace that sells cables for cheap, you should be able to, to do that. But because you have this proprietary connector, it's going to cost a lot of money. Now, to be fair, probably a lot of people don't lose their wire. You just have to be careful. Don't lose your lightning connector, and everything will be okay until you go to buy accessories, in which case, even though you have an adapter, it's not going to mount correctly with that accessory. One of the advantages Apple has, and I give them credit for this, is because their docking connector is always in the same place because they only have one phone and the last generation phone, accessory makers know that they can create their devices around the iPhone. They know exactly where the port is going to be. So even though micro USB is a standard on Android phones and on Blackberries and on Windows Phone, there's no way for the accessory maker to know okay, the dock connector is on the bottom of this device. It could be on the side. It could be on the top. It could probably not going to be on the back, but it could be any number of places. So they can't make a dock where you just pop things in unless they're making it for a particular Android phone. And that's difficult to do because the market share doesn't make it worth it like it does for iPhone. But with Apple's decision, obviously accessory makers will have to get with the program and come out with new accessories. There will be a short-term disruption for maybe a year or so while people get new accessories and adapt. But if Apple keeps this connection for five or 10 years... 
we'll forget about it next year with the iPhone 5S. So this year is disruption, just like with MapGate. You know, for the first few months, it's going to be treacherous, maybe, depending on whether you want to go to Columbia, South Carolina, or some mysterious location where the aliens land in South America. That's going to be troublesome because you want to go to Columbia, South Carolina. But they'll get that fixed. We'll see things like that. These sorts of disruptions Apple has pulled before, you know, with new software, new operating systems, new proprietary connection schemes that people complain about for a while. But when they're selling tens and tens and hundreds of millions of things, things get straightened out. This person has always straightened us out. He's Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Now at DeseretFoodStore.com, sign up for a one-month supply of delicious food for only $99 with free shipping. That's right, only $99. Gourmet restaurant-style meals with a 30-year shelf life. Packaged in heavy-duty Mylar bags for easy transport and freshness. Meals like stroganoff, lasagna, teriyaki, five-bean chili, granola pancakes, and much more. Visit DeseretFoodStore.com, spelled D-E-S-E-R-E-T, FoodStore.com, or call 801-444-1444. Food for now, food for life. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Since 1974, Evelyn Gibson has helped thousands of people live healthier, happier, and more productive lives. Gibson'sHealth.com demonstrates, educates, and inspires customers to replace their healthy rows of lifestyles with a health-enhancing one. Now, clean up your body and colon without fasting using Herbal Fiber Blend from Gibson'sHealth.com. Most colon cleansers require you to fast and do colon irrigations, but Herbal Fiber Blend is the only body and colon cleanser that cleans without fasting. A plaque colon invites parasites and candida and we are overweight because we must eat twice as much to absorb good nutrients herbal fiber blend also cleans the kidneys and liver not just the colon no other cleanser on the market compares to herbal fiber blend to buy herbal fiber blend from gibson's health at wholesale prices call 800-388-6844 that's 800-388-6844 or go to gibsonshealth.com since 1974 over 30,000 healthier customers 
Every GCN listener deserves low-cost, high-quality survival and preparation products. Get yours now at CampingSurvival.com. For example, save on the Life Straw personal water filter for only $19.95 or the Water Bob emergency 100-gallon fresh water system, only $24.95. Get one for every bathtub in your home. And Bridgeford Foods, tasty, ready-to-eat MRE sandwiches start at only $2.95 each. CampingSurvival.com is a convenient one-stop shop with over 17 thousand urban wilderness and preparedness items supreme customer service very low shipping and no games we search the web to make sure we have the lowest prices and remember campingsurvival.com is 100 usmc veteran owned do business with the authority on survival since 1956 campingsurvival.com want more savings use coupon code gcn at checkout for a five percent discount campingsurvival.com confidence born of preparation You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We're having a fascinating discussion of Apple, iOS versus Android, iPhone versus all the Android equivalents. And I want to run back to something here because you mentioned, as we know, that with the Android market, with other smartphone platforms, you have a zillion kinds of screens and aspect ratios and everything. Now, Apple has basically, up until now, one smartphone platform. Now, of course, it's slightly different, a different aspect ratio because of the 4-inch iPhone 5. So until apps are updated, there's going to be a tiny bit of letterboxing. But that's being addressed as we speak with a lot of apps. But with 700,000 Google apps and a zillion kinds of screens and aspect ratios and widths. How do they create a uniform look for the app on different devices? Well, I mean, you program something in a way that where it scales. People have done this for years in Windows. I mean, is there one aspect ratio of Windows screen? Is there one resolution for PCs? No, there isn't. I mean, you can have a PC with a screen resolution of 1024 by 768, and that's 4 by 3. Or you could have one with a screen resolution of 1366 by 768, and that's 16 by 9. Okay, so the basic answer here is that Android operating system developer kit, that already allows for the fact that there are going to be multiple screens. What about, of course, the bigger problem with Android is that there are a lot of different versions, and it's quite often that your favorite Android smartphone may be using an operating system that's a year or a year and a half old. That is a problem. It's definitely an issue where Android 4.0 Ice Cream Sandwich came out last fall. Only now, in the last few months, are we starting to see phones ship with Ice Cream Sandwich on them. It's taken a while for Ice Cream Sandwich to become the minimum standard on new phones. But guess what? It's not even the newest operating system anymore. It's Jelly Bean. And what is shipping with Jelly Bean on it? The only device that's shipping with that's actually shipped with Jelly Bean so far is ah, it's not even really shipped with Jelly Bean, right? You have the Google Nexus, which is getting an update to Jelly Bean. You have the Galaxy Nexus, the, the phone that's shipped with Jelly Bean is this, the Samsung Galaxy Nexus, the Nexus 7 tablet shipped with Jelly Bean. But other than those Google-branded devices, everybody's behind the times. Heck, Motorola, which is owned by Google, is coming out with a wonderful new line of phones. I'm 
I've reviewed one called the Razor M. They have the Razor M, the Razor HD, and the Razor HD Max, all with ice cream sandwich on them with the hopeful, hopefully specific promise that by the end of the year they'll upgrade to Jelly Bean. But couldn't they have, you know, talked to their parent company and gotten the code for Jelly Bean so they could have it at launch? It's definitely a problem. But it's not necessarily a problem that is going to prevent developers from developing good apps. It may be a problem for the – I think it's more of a problem for the user who wants a certain Google feature that's built in. You see, the one thing that bothers me about all that is they really ought to mandate some way of providing upgrades. I mean, you got to look, at, for example, at iOS 6. Whatever we say, plus or minus, the maps, whatever – Within, what, a couple of days, 100 million people had upgraded their iOS devices to iOS 6. Apple has made it backwards compatible, not always with all the features, but backwards compatible to the iPhone 3GS, which goes back to 2009. So you have a three-year-old smartphone and be able to use many, not all, but many of the features of the new OS. And you have no situation like that on the Android platform on Windows Phone. Take a look at what happened here. We have the Nokia Lumia 900, the flagship phone. And suddenly, Microsoft says, okay, we've got Windows Phone 8. Oh, we can't upgrade these older devices to that. It definitely is extremely unfair. And in the case of Microsoft, it's definitely Osborning their own product, especially when they announced a few months ago that Windows... Phone 8 would not run on Windows Phone 7.5 devices. Everybody who was in the market and was reading realized this is not the time to buy. Let's wait until Windows Phone 8 comes out. And we've seen some previews of the devices, but they're not even out yet. At this moment that we're talking, there's no incentive for anyone to buy a Windows Phone device. People who would go to the store and buy a Windows Phone device today probably don't realize what's going on. In the case of Android, yeah, it is It is annoying. And part of the reason that it happens is obviously that the carriers and the handset makers have to work on the updates together and they don't necessarily have a great incentive to give you the latest version of the operating system as Apple has a great incentive to give you the latest version and Google has a great incentive. The other problem is if you're popping your skin on top of Google's operating system and adding all kinds of additional features, I can see why it might take a while to roll out the update because you've got to actually adjust your software to work with the new code and include or not include certain features. And also creates conniptions for developers because developers want to, of course, sell product. They want to know their application is going to be on the maximum number of platforms because that's the way they make their money if it's a retail application. So if you've got lots of people using a two-year-old operating system, well, there are a lot of features you can't add because these users can't Take advantage of them. We'll have to see how it goes. Let's go to one more topic before we let you go for this segment and the next one. And that is we have, of course, the Amazon Kindle, the Kindle Fire HDs being widely advertised now. And now we have to see what Barnes & Noble is doing. So there's a brand new Nook. And that's a tongue twister, brand new Nook. Tell me more. There are two new Nooks. Two brand new Nooks. That's even worse. There is the Nook HD and the Nook HD+. Plus. The Nook HD is 7 inches. It has a higher than HD resolution, so it actually should be called something else. It has a, The Nook HD 
has a higher than HD 1440 by 900 resolution. And on that 7-inch screen, it looks pretty impressive. It's got a it's it's got a dual core processor it's extremely lightweight and it runs the nook operating system which is a skin of android that is nothing like android and only has access to barnes and noble's app store and barnes and noble services it's kind of like amazon and the kindle fire which has a customized version of android correct uh the nook hd plus same operating system all of that but it's nine inches, and it is some. It is wow! It is a whopping at resolution is nineteen twenty by twelve eighty, which is like a fifteen inch notebook computer. <sighs> no, I wish a fifteen inch notebook computer came with that resolution. Well, of course, that we res- always have the MacBook with Retina display, MacBook Pro, which has a higher resolution, but. You cannot buy a notebook with a resolution that high at any size or any price. You can't get a notebook that is higher than than 1080p, and it's even difficult to get 1080p on a notebook, although that's changing for the better. But no, most most 15-inch notebooks are 1366 by 768, which by comparison, considering that they're putting that high of a res- the Nook is putting that high of a resolution on a 9-inch screen, and actually, to be fair, Apple gives you even higher resolution on its Retina display on its 9.7-inch uh, on screen on the iPad. Really, you, you know, the, the pixels on a notebook might as well be Ben Day dots in in a Lichtenstein painting because they're so big you can see them, whereas you can't see them on these smaller displays. So the Nook HD Plus has a very nice high-resolution display, as is the Nook HD for its size. But these two devices are really going to rise or fall, I think, based on the ecosystem around them. Yes, they are a good deal, 199 for the seven incher and 269 for the nine incher, which is which is 30 bucks cheaper than the Amazon 8.9 inch Kindle Fire HD, and about 230 bucks cheaper than the iPad. Now, how much but, storage does it have? So the nine to inch. start, it has to start the I believe the HD Plus has 16, and the HD has eight. We've got Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out as seenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1, S-E-E-N number one, SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest As Seen on TV items. Save 10%. Or call one 866 277 
1-866-277-3366. The code SCENE1 to save 10%. Here it is, another election year. And here you are again wishing you knew more about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the other amendments, and the Declaration of Independence. But who has the time to study? Wouldn't it be nice if you could simply listen to them? And wouldn't it be great if they came packaged with an index? Yep, an index that lets you go to any part of the founding documents just by punching in a track number on your computer or CD player. What exactly is the Ninth Amendment? Track 10, play. It's that simple. The Founding Documents Collection on Audio CD. To get yours now, just go to Amazon.com and type in Founding Documents Collection CD. For just $19.95 and $3.99 shipping and handling, you'll have the firepower you need to argue from the ultimate facts that form our nation's foundation. Want to be a hero? Get one for you and give another to your local school for Constitution Day. Go to Amazon.com now and type in Founding Documents Collection CD. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime time you're away from home to order your fake tv for only 34.95 go to fake tv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV each additional fake tv is only 29.95 so get one for you and one for a loved one for safety security and peace of mind for both of you call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to fake tv.com fake tv.com the burglar deterrent What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com. The original Grover Rocket Stove Minimal Wood Use Cooking Stoves. Available exclusively from StockStorage.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. So I have to ask you, Avram Pilch, on the Tech Night Isle Live, and that question is, you're selling this thing for $269. Nine-inch screen. Ultra high definition, 16 gigabytes of storage. They're taking a bath on each sale, aren't they? Probably they are. Yeah. And more of a bath than Amazon because they're not including ads. 
Amazon has those ads on its Kindle Fires, which you can pay 15 bucks to disable. But Barnes & Noble is very clear they're not – they don't have ads. Yes, they're taking a bath and they're really, really banking on their new video service being something that people want to use. Because if you don't use their video service, what is the point of this screen? What is the point of this of this device? To be fair, Barnes & Noble has a better book selection than Amazon. They do. And, cer- and certainly better than, than Apple. And they have better children's books and children's services. They have better parental controls. They have all these interactive kids' books. So if you want a family reading device, the Nooks are going to be hands down the best. However... What really remains to be seen is they are launching their own Nook video store. It is hard to get into the video content game, as Google shows with its Google Play Store that has a paltry selection in comparison to the Amazon video store and to iTunes. So is Nook video store going to be a player? Because people buy these tablets and they want to watch video on them. That's why you get a 9-inch tablet with a high-res screen, not just to read. So... I think that that is going to be a key question. And another key question is, is the App Store going to have any games in it? Because previous iterations of their App Store have had really, really casual games like Sudoku that could probably run on like a 200 megahertz processor. But they've bundled these things with super-duper hardware, 1.5 gigahertz dual-core processor. Are they going to take advantage of the power of this hardware? Now, I know what I would do, but I don't think Barnes & Noble will be happy. I would buy their device and root it and install real Android on there if it were possible, and then you'd really have a bargain device with lots of power. On the other hand, you could buy the Galaxy Nexus 7, which comes with great Android pre-installed and has a quad-core processor. It just doesn't have as good a screen as the Nook. So if I had my druthers, I would go for the pure Google experience of the Nexus 7 because at least you know you're going to have a wide-open app store from google play with all the apps in it you're going to have all of the productivity features of android not just the media consumption ones whereas it's really clear that the kindle fire and the nook hd are not really tablets as they're presented they're e-readers with benefits they're e-readers with benefits designed to access the ecosystem of a particular retail company now comparing this to the kindle fire we got a sharper screen and a more favorable price, obviously, for the Nook. The question is, this holiday season, we kind of expect the Kindle Fire will do pretty well. It did pretty well last year. What about Barnes & Noble? I think Barnes & Noble has a tough road to hoe because of the ecosystem. Because they don't have things like Prime Video, their video store is going to have a hard time measuring up to Amazon's hardware-wise I think it really remains to be seen whether the screen really is better. When we went to see a demo, uh, it was clear that the higher res was a bit sharper, but in at least as they showed it to us, the color temperature looked a little bit more appealing on some of the things we saw on the Kindle Fire. We would really have to get both of these devices into our office to check it out. But unless they can really, really convince people that the hardware is significantly better, you know what? Strike that. Even if they can really convince people that the hardware is significantly better, they're going to have to convince people that the ecosystem is better. And that is going to be difficult when they're new to things like movie, video, 
and they don't have a service like Prime. And last I checked, they didn't have a lot of games in their app store. So the question is, can they step up and do all these things? Perhaps. Can they step up and do all these things and change their perception of them in the next month or two? Hmm. That would be a real challenge. They are going to be big in retail. They are going to get good distribution through their stores and through third-party stores. So they'll take a chunk of, of stuff, and there are a lot of people who like Nooks. My wife has a Nook color, loves it because she uses it as a reader. But there's a real question as to whether they're going to steal any share from Amazon because I think people are convinced that Amazon has a more pure multimedia experience. Now, of course, we have the elephant in the room. Will there be an iPad Mini or iPad Nano? The guessing would be a 7.85 version with a 4.3 aspect ratio like the full-size iPad. So maybe it's going to be $299, $349. Yeah, it's going to be a premium price compared to the others, but Apple will be selling a product based on what it costs them to build. But do you think that's also going to interact with this? Yeah, I mean, that certainly hurts the companies at the bottom, like Barnes & Noble, but in the end, it all comes back to the ecosystem, and that's actually why it will hurt them, because if people think that they can get an iPad, a quote-unquote real iPad, for less money, and it, they all, it also addresses the issue that some people like a smaller device because it's easier to use one-handed, I think that is definitely going to hurt its competitors a lot because Apple has the reputation and they have the, and they have the best ecosystem. So... Yeah, I think it's. I think it is bad news for the for the competition if Apple comes out with a smaller iPad, as is heavily rumored this fall. They don't have a lot of time, though. Well, the reports are that Apple will introduce a thing at a media event in October. So maybe in the next few days, we'll start seeing those invitations from Apple. You have to think, though, that some of the people who were fairly knowledgeable what Apple does and have gotten it right, as they did with the iPhone 5, are now saying there will be a miniature or smaller version of the iPad. Remember that with the iPhone 5, 95% of the real product was known weeks before Apple had the event. And we're seeing a lot of rumors for the mini, for the iPad mini or iPad nano, whatever it's going to be called. So I think, I think it's legit, and I think it's going to shake things up on the low end of the tablet market. I'm not sure what Barnes & Noble and Amazon can really do about it. Uh, I guess what well, they're doing is make it as cheap as possible. The other thing that they could do is that they could do a better job of making their services available across other platforms. So Barnes & Noble told us, and we haven't seen this to be true yet, that their video store will work on basically every platform that you want it to. But guess what? Amazon Video works on iPad does not work on other Android devices besides their own. What's up with that? Why can't I take my Motorola phone and, and download Amazon Video with it? In Amazon and Barnes & Noble's interest, they're not really interested in being hardware companies. They're just doing this to sell their stuff. So wouldn't they actually be happier if they could actually get people who use iPads to use their services? I kind of would agree with you there. I mean, if I want to use... A whole bunch of services. I want Netflix. I want Amazon. I want whatever iTunes has. I could do it all on my iPhone, on my iPad, on my iPod Touch. And as far as Amazon is concerned, Amazon doesn't care where they make their money from. They're happy to have as many users as possible. You kind of think Barnes & Noble has to do the same thing. Otherwise, the potential of the product isn't going to be realized. 
has to they be cross-platform. Be, they should be happier because they don't have to take a loss on the hardware. They, it's pure profit for them. So they should be extremely happy. Amazon should be extremely happy to have people watching Amazon video on anything, as should Barnes & Noble. I understand why they want to come out with their own products because that's their showcase. But even if the showcase is gone and they and they seed the market, I think they still have to focus on the ecosystem. And, of course, if you can get the thing on your iPad and your iPhone, it's still pretty good. Abram Pilch, tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. So you can read my weekly columns at laptopmag.com slash geeksgeek. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at at geekinchief, and check out all of our news at laptopmag.com. You'll find us, Tech Night Owl. We are Tech Night Owl. At Twitter, you can also check out our site for cutting-edge commentaries at technightowl.com. Once again, that's technightowl.com. We have a forum there, too, everything. And then there is that other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. This weekend featuring prolific author Brad Steiger has written, what, 160 or 170 books. I envy him. Go to Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Avram Pilch, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.